1: We're talking about inequities in our healthcare system and how in the seemingly endless pandemic it has particularly affected minorities. Our guests are Stephanie Colombini, a reporter for WUSF and Health News Florida, and Dr. Angela Hill. She's past chair of the Department of Pharmacotherapeutics and Clinical Research and associate dean of clinical practice at the USF Taneja College of Pharmacy. Welcome to Florida Matters. Thank
0: you for having
2: me.
1: In a minute, we'll take a closer look at some of the health issues that have particularly affected black Americans during the pandemic and the upheavals over the killing of George Floyd. But first, I'd like to ask Stephanie Colombini about the Unequal Shot series and what they found. WUSF began reporting on how distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine exposes inequities in Florida's health care system. Stephanie, what was the genesis for this project?
2: When the covid nineteen vaccine became available last year, uh, we pretty much immediately saw disparities in who was getting the vaccine and that a lot of that had to do with you know access barriers that were created um, and so we started off reporting on that and how black and brown people were facing some disadvantages when it came to accessing the vaccine and then really highlighting the efforts in the community to change that people who were out there like um, you know educating the community and and creating pop-up sites so that it was more accessible Um, so that's kind of how it started the series but then we really wanted to take a deeper dive and see what were some of the other ripple effects because we knew that the black community and Hispanic community was hit harder by COVID-19 than white people. And what did that mean for other forms of health? And so mental health definitely rose as something a lot of people we interviewed were talking about when we said, you know, what concerns besides getting shots and arms do you have? And it was, you know, what kind of long lasting damage the pandemic had done to people's mental health. And so that's how this particular story came about.
1: Any, any particular surprises that came up during your research that stands out in your mind?
2: Unfortunately, I don't know that it was surprising because no. these are longstanding inequities. So um, it was more just moving to hear from people out there in the community doing hard work to improve equity um, and just to really amplify voices that have not gotten a chance in the past to have their you know, work be highlighted in that way. It was really cool. All
1: right. Let's hear from from some of those voices. Um, Dr. Hill, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, has shown that blacks and Hispanics during the pandemic were more often likely to have more needs and less likely to receive treatment than whites. Like she's saying, this isn't a surprise too. This is a long-lasting thing. But did it get particularly worse during the pandemic?
0: It did. It, it did. And some of that was because of, unfortunately, the distrust the those communities already had in the healthcare system. So when the pandemic started you know, thanks to social media, there were a lot of um, unfortunately untrue or partially true myths that were really influencing people's decisions. So, you know, from this is a man-made virus to this is a way to tag people. Um, And certainly because it, it was coincidental that all of the disorders that we tend to have were supposedly the reasons people would get COVID or that predisposed them. And so they felt, you know, that um, that was then setting us up again as target. That rolled into the whole vaccination thing, and there was a lot of paranoia, you know, about oh, they're giving us COVID and things of that nature. So yes, this is this is true. And then the access issue that Stephanie talked about really got compounded because though I think the Department of Health and others were well intended. They depended on technology to try to, you know, create the registration process. But for our communities, you had health literacy issues, let alone technological um, literacy issues that then compounded some of the access um, problems. And that meant if you couldn't get registered, you couldn't get vaccinated. And that was partially why the pop-up clinics and stuff weren't as helpful as was thought, and we had to then resort to other ways to get them. But, you know, educating first about the need for it and then trying to break down a lot of those barriers in between.
1: All right. Let's talk about the Healing While Black Summit. Uh, Stephanie, you covered part of this event, at least, it was in a barbershop, right? Tell me tell me about that whole scene with the with the buzzers and the hair clippers going on and all
2: that. This was part of a three-day summit um, that was uh, organized by The Well for Life, is a uh, organization in St. Petersburg founded by uh, Dr. LaDonna Butler. She's a licensed counselor, and this is um, a group that really is serving as uh, a mental wellness space for black and indigenous people of color, so really, run by people of color for people of color. And so the summit brought together people from all over the community, um, and it it tackled a few things. Uh, There was the kind of clinical side of training people how to provide culturally sensitive care and and be more respectful and understanding in actual treatment sessions. But then it was also about bringing the community together to have conversations about mental health in places where people already are. Um, You know, Churches was also part of it, but this barbershop event um, was another example where it was at Central Station Barbershop in St. Petersburg and, and guys got together. This one was really geared towards black men who um, the stigmas and the expectations of kind of being, you know, tough and not needing mental health are even more, you know, sometimes exacerbated for men. So this was really trying to create a safe space for guys to get together and, and talk about what they personally have struggled with with mental health, but also kind of how they perceive counseling and everything. And it was a really great conversation because people really opened up. I'd
1: like to play a, uh, a cut here from Vicky.
2: This year, the nonprofit Mental Health America ranked Florida 49th in the nation for access to care. That factors in things like mental health workforce availability and access to insurance and treatment. And there are other barriers. Vicki says societal pressures on Black people also make it harder to seek help.
3: As a Black woman, no matter what you go through with trauma, you still have to with the kids you still have to cook you still have to clean you had to put on this mask like everything is all right there's nothing that can hurt you you know you have to be superwoman and i think a lot of us don't deal with our our trauma and our grief because we're just meant to go on all
1: right she said you have to be a superwoman be a superwoman all the time but Dr. Hill, you can't be a superwoman all the time, can you? Not
0: all the time. Not all the time. Um, And what does happen is we, particularly culturally, have had no choice in a lot of cases. So you're still mom, you can have a nice career, but you still got to go home and all of the role expectations of being a woman, um, particularly in our culture, really has haven't changed months. And then you go to the workplace and that's a whole different different battle. Um, but one of the things that has happened is we've become resilient. We, we have a lot of grit, but it's to our detriment. And I think that's what has compounded Um, some of the need to seek out the treatment and stuff that we need for mental health. Either not having time, not being aware what's there really, and or trying to deal with, again, all the voices in your head about being called crazy. If, If you admitted to being depressed or anxious, that goes against, you know, we're supposed to be strong and resilient and and superwomen or superman, as she, as Stephanie talked about, and so um, there's no time for being, you know, mentally ill. You got to keep on, keep on going. We got to be strong. We got to do.
2: It. And I, I think that ties back to the other clip we heard. Part of that is a product of systemic racism. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's race, overt racism of mm-hmm. the systems that have been in place mm-hmm. since slavery on that have mm-hmm. made it that you do have, you know, financial challenges or access mm-hmm. to transportation or access to housing and all of that compounds. When Angela said feeling like you have no choice but to be superwoman, you know, there's so many systems in our community that are, you know, kind of force black and brown people into that.
1: Yeah. Tack on to all the stress that we're dealing with the, the isolation, being at mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. know, you, for a long time, you couldn't mm-hmm. go out and go see your, mm-hmm. your, your friends, your grandparents, your family. Talk about that mental health aspect if if you would, Doctor Hill.
0: You know, so one of one of the good things about the pandemic is that it allowed us to already understand more about how social we are as as Homo sapiens. But the isolation and the inability, particularly to do things like congregate for church and fellowship for church in person, though it was replaced by a lot of virtual and technological means, we still Weren't able to touch and hug. And and even in the grieving process, you had a loved one. And just that whole funeralizing process just totally changed. You know, graveside services or, you know, a limit to the number of people that can come or nothing, you know, physical. All of that psychologically, you know, just really compounded us. And so this concept of prolonged grief disorder, I think, has evolved consequent to the pandemic because so many of us not only lost people to COVID, but um, we still had people with Alzheimer's disease that needed care. And we had people dying from terminal illnesses like cancer. We had people who couldn't get care because there weren't any beds in the hospitals. So, and then you had people who were scared to go to the emergency room that really had serious health issues. But because of I'm going to get get COVID if I go or, you know, that whole um, reopening piece, people developed all kind of anxiety about that. So a lot of um, obsessive compulsive behaviors, the continuous and post-traumatic components, sleep disorders, you know, um, but the isolation, I think, really set us off to unfortunately, especially our older um, individuals, they were really, really impacted the hardest with the isolation.
1: I would like to ask you if there's any kind of a silver lining here. Maybe I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look on the bright side. Are more people talking about their stressors now? Is there more care available? Are people more knowledgeable about what's out there to help them?
0: I do think that people may. Be becoming a little bit more acceptable of the reality because, you know, we've been waiting on getting a herd effect from COVID, but there's been a herd effect as it relates to the psychological impact because everybody had to be quarantined. Everyone has had to give thought to COVID, the infection or getting the COVID vaccine. Everybody has had to go through that. And if you meet anyone who said that they have not lost somebody in some form or fashion, um, or encountered someone who was dealing with depression or anxiety. Out of all that's happened over the last 18 months, it's it's. I wonder if they're human, you know. <laughs> but I what I would say that what I think has come out of it is a need for us to understand health in a whole different way, you know. And it's allowed us to understand how much we take for granted in terms of our health um, and the need to look at it in a different way in terms of mental health services, I do think that it has maybe torn down a little bit of the stigma and made things like counseling a little bit more acceptable. Um, Because especially in the African-American community, we tend to resort to faith and our faith life as being that foundation for us, and we get a lot of strength from that. Most times, we have shied away from things like counseling. But now I do think a lot more people are more accepting of that. I think that through education, people are understanding that maybe medications can make a difference, that there are civic and social groups out there that are also behind them and supporting them, and then it's okay.
1: Stephanie, is there anything else you'd like to bring up?
2: Um, Interestingly enough, also on the faith piece, some people I met during my reporting were pastors who even themselves and their churches are kind of not waking up, but, you know, having more of a reckoning of we need to be Mm -hmm. stronger supporters Mm -hmm. of getting mental health care, that, you know, people can have their faith base and maybe, you know, a pastor can say, hey, you know, you're really having Mm -hmm. a tough time. Maybe you should see a psychiatrist. Um, And so even churches are also saying, you know, how can we do a better job Mm -hmm. at helping people with their mental health care? but then the next piece from what i you know learned in my reporting is just that there's um accepting mental health care is vital but then people need to access, access the mental health yeah. care mm. and there's a lot of barriers right now um Vicky uh the woman in my story who um was a survivor of domestic violence that happened during the pandemic it's been really hard for her to find consistent care because she does not have um, employer-based health insurance. So, you know, finding a provider that can she can afford, that will accept, you know, that she can get an appointment with that's not booked three months out because a lot of the places that do offer, you know, free care or more affordable care, everybody else is demanding them too. That has to be the next thing. So now that we have people talking about mental health more the changes and investment needs to be made to improve equity so that people can access the help that they need.
1: I'd like to thank Stephanie Columbini, our reporter here at Health News Florida, and Dr. Angela Hill of the USF Taneja College of Pharmacy. Thanks so much for everything you're doing.
0: Thank Thank you. you.
1: We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll hear from one of the organizers of the mental health organization, The Well for Life. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Florida Matters. We're continuing our look at how the pandemic and the continuing racial injustice has affected the health of black Americans. We'll speak now with LaDonna Butler about the Well for Life. Dr. LaDonna Butler is the founder and executive director of the Well for Life. It was created in 2017 as a healing space focusing on the needs of minorities and marginalized communities that are too often under the radar of many mental health care practitioners. Dr. Butler, thank you so much for being on Florida Matters.
3: Thank you so much for having me, because Florida truly does matter.
1: And so does mental health, so we appreciate that. Right, Dr. Baller, The Well for Life describes itself as a healing-centered practice acknowledging legacies of trauma, resistance, and resilience. Now, these three legacies have particularly affected the African-American community, and I'd imagine it's been exacerbated radically by the twin punches of the pandemic and the Black Lives Matters movement.
3: Absolutely. I think all of us can relate to the uncertainty as well as the rise in anxiety related to being in a global pandemic, only heightened by our awareness of inequity in the way in which we are experiencing the quality of life. Those differences are embedded within our systems and experience based on the bodies that we live in. So the Well for Life has been formed since 2017 to be a healing space that serves all and Centers and specializes the voices of individuals who have experienced marginalization, either through their skin or through other areas that we experience otherness. So the well-being of healing spaces allows individuals to come together, express their voice, and find a way to really leverage their strengths to navigate some of the difficulties that we are collectively facing all right over the
1: summer the Well for life hosted a three-day summit that was called healing while black i love that name and it brought residents you know clinical people and organizations in the tampa bay area together to raise awareness about mental health for people of color dr butler take our listeners to one of these sessions and describe the mood the kind of the vibe there
3: this year healing while black really centered on our strength because we are the one um that was the theme this year. Typically, when there is trauma or when there is sickness in our community, we can look at our neighbors and we're the ones that are showing up. When there um, is death, we're the ones to show up with food as well as laughter. We're the ones that show up when there is elements of violence and people need to feel safe again. So Healing While Black really centered on our strengths. We are the ones to actually be responsive to our own needs but we are also the ones that are being most impacted by disparity. The mood was actually centered in strength and celebration. And that was actually really exciting. So on Thursday night, we were able to bring together and have a conversation at at, at a local brunch spot. On Friday, we came together in a professional development conference sponsored by the St. Petersburg College, as well as the Foundation for a Healthy St. Pete. Want to make sure we shout them out. Really allowing us to learn collectively together, as well as feast on some physical, spiritual connection, as we learned strategies to really help our well-being. I think the mood was high. I think the mood really set the tone for collective action, for collective well-being. And that continued on, um, Steve, on Saturday from family events and um, brown girl brunches and men and at, at the barbershop being able to talk about things that we typically don't provide or take space to share really happened on Saturday and then ending in a community block party and celebration with car shows and all the things that bring joy to our life, culminating on Sunday.
1: Now, it sounds like the people who come to the events like this they are willing to share their emotions that's why they come to this how do you get people who are reluctant to air their emotions to show up to this it's not the easiest thing in the world for a lot of people to you know put their heart on their sleeve right how do you get the people who really need the help who might not be that willing to open up
3: absolutely i think that's the unique piece of the healing while black experience we hosted the event at a barbershop And so not everyone there was someone who would show up in my clinical office. Um, These were folks who were really there to get their hair cut, uh, who were exposed to a conversation and invited to share. So I think that's the unique piece. We hosted in places where normal people visit and they get to overhear other men or, in the case of the Brown Girl Brunch, other women sharing, which is an invitation for them to consider what it would be like for them to take that step forward. And if nothing else, being exposed to vulnerability and and being exposed to people being able to share their story without being met with shame is sometimes enough for individuals to give deep consideration about what that opportunity might mean for them.
1: One of the words I've been hearing connected with the Healing While Black event is the word resilience. You know, it's something that, you know, members of the black community are no stranger to having had these obstacles put in their past their entire life. So, you know, how how is this pandemic in these times make it harder to deal with problems than usual?
3: I want to say there is beauty in resilience, Steve. I think for many Black folks who have had the most crisis, they've been able to navigate, and it would seem like it was almost unscathed until things begin to loosen up and people begin to think about the ways in which they have been impacted. There is beauty and resilience, but there's also a myth. I like to use the example of the rubber band. We love the rubber band because we can stretch it, It bounces back. We can fold it and do whatever we need to do to hold on to what we need to do and serve our own purpose. However, if we continue to stretch it without true relief, we eventually um, wear it down. Some people call it the weathering effect. Black people have a gift of resiliency, being able to face major obstacles and come back, major obstacles and come back. However, weathering occurs when there is no break in the stretch. I'm encouraging anyone who's experiencing that to know that there is power in rest and in joy. As we navigate this space, it's important that individuals are, again, like we said, paying attention to those whispers. So paying attention when there are changes in sleep or changes in eating patterns or feelings of irritability or finding yourself to be more disconnected from people or not even being able to enjoy the work and your contributions in the same way that you used to be able to, it is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign that you are being weathered. And so anytime there's weathering, we need refuge and rest so that we can keep going on and endure the storm for a long time.
1: Uh, Another phrase that came up during the, the summit was CTSD, Continuous Traumatic Stress Disorder. So, you know, for a lot of minorities, particularly African-Americans, this is nothing new, right? This has been going on seemingly forever. It's continuous, right? So we need to keep an eye on this, not just during these particularly bad times that might be going on right now, but probably on a long-term basis.
3: I really thank uh, the president of the American Counseling Association, Dr. Kent Butler, for bringing that. To the barbershop conversation that many individuals and clinicians especially we we keep talking about the post experience well, the post means it 's over, but for many black folks these these microaggressions or these small things that keep adding up never stop, so feeling overlooked or not feeling like your voices are being heard or this feeling of unsurety or this overwhelming sense of anxiety that's continuous as we navigate through just our regular life experiences. So I keep routing back because we know it's continuous. It's important that we're mining for it and then finding ways to interrupt those cycles as much as possible. One of the best ways that we know to disrupt the continuous cycle is to name it. I think, Just naming it allows people to say, I am not crazy. Like, this thing is really happening. And sometimes that's enough for us to be able to take a deep breath and then do the necessary healing action so that we can get better collectively. There is no trauma that has ever been healed individually. It's always been held and healed in and through community. The same as for Black folks, the same as through this global experience of the pandemic, that it is we are only as sick as our degrees of separation. And so it is important for us to try to collectively affirm each other and navigate the space by being as honest as we can um, so we can disrupt the cycles of pain and disrupt the cycles of violence, including self-induced violence.
1: I've asked this of our other guests, so I'm going to ask you, too, whether there's some kind of a uh, a silver lining here. And you seem like a person who definitely will find a silver lining. You you want more people talking about their stressors now and that are seeking help that otherwise would never have done so.
3: Steve, I actually thought about this last night, not knowing you would ask me this question. I think there is beauty And people finally talking about mental health the same way in which we talk about our physical health. I I was online last night and I saw a post from um, clinicians of color. And then I'm hearing just regular citizens just talking about getting their minds right. I think there is beauty by people just saying that it's important that as I'm getting my physical bodies together, that I'm also acknowledging the power of making sure that my mental health Is in check. I think there's also power in the fact that we are acknowledging that our life truly does matter, that Black life does matter in the midst of our whole humanity. I think there is beauty in the conversations. I think there's beauty in us having some difficult conversations with each other about things that might be painful. However, it is important that we acknowledge so that we can heal. And I think there's also beauty um, in this collective. Being more conscious and mining for well being wherever it comes from. I, I'll end this statement by saying um, this thing about me. I know that I live in a Black body and I navigate it through um, the experience of being a Black woman. However, it is when I am able to meet with every single one of us who are engaging in this life experience and share my joy as well as my sorrow, that I'm able to be lifted in places where I might experience despair. Um, And that's how we're going to get through it together. Talking about it, affirm each other, supporting each other, and being empowered to do the next right thing that has all of us on the best elevation.
1: Well, thank you for lifting the hearts of at least me and hopefully a lot of our listeners out there. Uh, Dr. LaDonna Butler is the founder and executive director of the Welfare Life. Thank you so much for your positive outlook, your hard work, everything you do. And thank you for being on Florida Matters. Thank you. And that's it for today's show. Our thanks to Dr. Angela Hill and LaDonna Butler and Stephanie Calamini of Health News Florida. You can find links to some of their services on our website, WUSFnews.org. Thanks also to our producer, Denora Prevost, and Blake Bass, our engineer. I'm Steve Newborn. We'll catch you next week on our next edition of Florida Matters.